Hello and welcome to the Book by Book, the podcast about the old book or two you've read. I'm your host Scott, but I'm not alone. Toby's here too. This episode we're talking about How I Live Now by Meg Rossoff. It's going to be fairly spoiler free, but just in the nature of talking about these things, there are inevitably some spoilers. So if that's okay with you, continue on and I'll see you on the other side. my thoughts so I think it's going to be one of those short 10, 10 minute ones or something mm-hmm. um, that's what I hope this one would be I think it's gone a little bit longer <laughs> uh, I think I can keep it spoiler free mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of this I have because actually I'm pretty sure like Kevin McDonald or someone the, the award winning documentary filmmaker from Into the Void made a film of it that being How I Live Now by oh, okay. Meg Rosoff oh wow I don't know if you've ever heard of it. The, the film no, is very. I, I do recognise it. Like I think the film now has a cast of people who are kind of big. I think mm-hmm. uh, Tom Holland is in it. That's Saoirse. Yeah, yeah. Um, Saoirse, someone. I think she won awards for that Brooklyn film, and do you know who I mean? Right. Rohan. No. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say Rohan. So, so she's in it. Is she with Tom Holland? She's the star. Uh, Tom Tom Holland isn't the star. From what from what I remember, um, remember how you said you were doing some research for for your <laughs> I have not. But... Was it called How I Live Now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Two, yeah, 2013. Romance and War. Okay. So we follow a 15-year-old coming from New York to live. Uh, I don't think they clearly state it, but I'm I'm just picturing Dorset, like her. Her mother died. I think we, we sort of find out how later, but it's not it's not a big thing. Mm. It's not a recent thing, I should say. It's obviously <laughs> a big thing. Her dad is now sort of married to someone kind of younger who she doesn't get on with, and they're they're having a baby, and so they've kind of just shipped her up to just make some space. And she feels pretty hard done by. She's not happy with this situation, but she's happy to be getting away just from it all. She's sort of sick of her dad. And so she she arrives in sunny England and she's just instantly sort of picked up by one of her cousins. She's, she's going to stay with her auntie and the cousins. Instantly, like, this cousin is sort of striking, like, he's, he's smoking. He's like, yeah, I'm driving. And he's he's also, like, 15, 16. Right, the rogue. In a truck. And they just sort of drive through a fence because he's like, yeah, they can't believe they charge you to park. So they just drive over a f- field and get out. And they take her to, sort of, like a, sort of rural farm. Mm-hmm. She just sort of meets. There's like a, there's about five of them. I I, I could keep track, but I, I couldn't tell you their names. Yeah. Already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I probably should do because some of them at least have a, a key to play in it. So she, she she meets her cousins. There's like um I shouldn't know the name of one because she's she's key in it. Uh, Can I just uh, pause you for two seconds? Yeah. So you got to do. I'll, I'll do my research yeah, now. Yeah. Do your research now. Go <laughs> make your copies, listeners. <laughs> So Daisy sort of rocks up and she sort of meets her cousins and there's there's five of them. So there's Edmund, who's like just a year younger than her. And, and he is a twin brother who I, I'm sort of looking at the wiki now to remember the names. I didn't know they were twins. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's something they sort of bring up at the beginning and then there's no real reference to it. Mm-hmm. Does, then... that change, does that change their dynamic now, looking back on it? No. no. They're twins, right? Not at all. Um, <laughs> I sort of forgot that one existed in a way because there's such oh. a 
because then there's the older brother who is Osbert, and he he has a fair amount of character just being the eldest and kind of the most pragmatic, and then a young sister Piper, and so they sort of come to this farm and the aunts uh, the aunts like sleeping because she's sort of doing some sort of not night shift but she's I'm not sure some sort of humanitarian like there's a lot of unrest around mm-hmm. Europe and peace talks and stuff. So she's on a lot of calls all night long. So she doesn't even like see her for like a day or something. Plus she's zonked out from jet lag. And we kind of find out she's uh, anorexic. And so she settles in and she actually kind of settles in quite well. I sort of worried she was going to be that annoying, uh, hate everything. Starts off that way, but she's basically charmed by it all without her consent, as it were. Like she sort of instantly hates everyone purely because, but just quite quickly, we get through that and things are kind of happy. Right. When her, her she says her aunt just kisses the boy, everyone goodnight, and just automatically kisses her. I don't think she really knew her mum. I think it's sort right. of implied she died at birth. Okay. Um, but again, I, I don't think we get a solid answer. I think it's just heavily implied. But quite quickly, her aunt, they, they do have this these just nice, tiny little bonding moments where the aunt just knows to talk. We get this passage where she's, she just wants to ask all these questions, but she just doesn't feel she can. And then, like, the next page, the aunt's like, oh, come in here and talk to me or something. And she's just got these photos out and then kind of just gives her this sisterly information and what, and what she was like yeah. as a person. I could tell you yeah, what she yeah, was like yeah. as my sister. But quite soon, the aunt basically has to leave the country. There's this unrest. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Oslo. The eldest kid is maybe 17, so I think he's old enough now to look after you all and and the kids yeah. are pretty well so instantly she's like oh these kids are supposed to be homeschooled but they're not the mum's just yeah. like oh did you read a book today like yeah like did you learn anything about geography they're like yeah but there's no regimenting yeah. but they they never come off as like lazy or spoiled they sort of know the farm yeah they they sort of go out fishing they know how to cook i guess like tend to the sheep they can sort of fend for themselves yes the mum goes and it's it's all just quite nice. They're all just hanging out and there's this American in the midst of them and she, the anorexia thing never really comes up. It's just, she can tell everyone's looking at her when she doesn't eat when they clearly should be hungry. Mm. And I have to drop a bit of a bombshell here. This romance bonds with Edmund and they kind of just start romancing and hooking up. Right. They're cousins. Oh. The book's just going there, just young and in love. Yeah. I don't know if it's a hint of... So this know, is her, this is her sis, mum's sister's son. So, yeah, just her cousin, like the two yeah. sisters. Sorry, I, I'm just yeah. making sure that I get the family tree right in my head. <laughs> no, so, I mean, that's that's kind of the key of all the characters. Mm-hmm. People will come and go, but this... this So there's just news of, like, you know, tensions rising, but they feel so far from it. Yeah. And then there's there's, like, a bombing in London... Mm-hmm. And actually a really high number of people die i think they say something like like two hundred thousand or something so you get sense it's huge and that it was i guess they never talked nuclear so i'm i guess i picture gas attacks or something but again mm-hmm. they're sort of kids so like most of it is just it's picked up from the news or like they sort of go into town for food and there's a there's a lot of um like people in queues hearsay yeah a lot of uh like they don't really know who the enemy is or what this is about. Mm-hmm. But, but so lowly and surely, they're basically like World War Three has kicked off. Okay, World War Three. All mm. oh, right. So that's what everyone's calling it. But I'm not going to lie, we never get that huge sense. 
Okay. Slowly, um, like there's rolling blackouts. And I think there's, there's some nice lines where she says, none of us wanted to say it out loud, but we didn't mind any of it. They assumed their aunt was safe because she was in another country. She just couldn't mm -hmm. get back. And they were sort of basically in their own little oasis with no adults. And they were having, she was having this like intense romance that was sort of mm -hmm. under the sly. They would just stay up late and stargaze and sort of catch firebugs and stuff. Like I said, they weren't like, they weren't particularly lazy kids. They, they're kind of a nice family, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. And so like, suddenly rationing starts sort of having to happen. But because they're on a farm, although they do go into town for food, they kind of not too worried about it. There's little moments of, they sort of say there's a, there's a, some sort of plague but they don't use the word plague like the measles are huge we need everyone to isolate mm -hmm. and stuff and we later find out like that was like a clever army tactic to just stop everyone from flipping because the news was so broken and and people were paranoid there was a lot of like assaults on innocent people like that guy's a spy it's right. it was a sort of a way to stop everyone going out yeah okay that was sort of something of note that's just quite poignant nicely in time. the background mm. like a lot of these things that come in they're very like a conversation that the kids aren't even having. They're overhearing. Mm -hmm. I guess propaganda. You, I, like, I, I do like I do like the um the sound of the war being a, like a background, like a, like an event that's happening that, that they're that they're aware of, mm. but their event is more important to them. Mm. You know, their existence again, it's about them being the center of the universe, um, mm -hmm. and I suppose the death of that understanding that they're not the center of the universe as this war encroaches on their environment and they're forced back by it right right yeah mm -hmm. what what sort of it when when is this is it like there's phones and stuff like she's come from new york okay it's, it's, it feels modern but mm -hmm. i think you're asking it because a lot of it doesn't feel modern no yeah it kind of feels like a world war one yeah, like a like a railway of children type yeah thing. yeah exactly and then that. the writer kind of changed her mind to funk it up yeah, didn't quite get that all way. That that's that's kind of one of my I don't know about criticisms, but something that you feel in the book. Mm. But we went to college in Weymouth, and and we've been to those parts of the world. I don't remember mm -hmm. we, we shot a short film together in yep. how I picture this. A very isolated. You need a jeep to get just just off the farm. Yeah, yeah. That kind you. of small town living maybe the, kind of does have that feel. Mm. And I imagine a war in London. Yeah, as it were, or news from London would feel like that's just not a part of us. Even I think, I think, I think that's what I think that's what it is for me. It's the it's the um, disconnect between if it's rural. not if it's if it's rural, but even if even rural nowadays, you have the internet, you have mobile phones, you have mm. you have access to news that's up to date. So. Mm. Because this was the fact that they're uh, getting snapshots of it from the, the basic from what I've imagined would be like the, the queue at the post office. Yeah, stuff like that kind of antiquated a bit. So this mm. was written in 2004, and I get the sense it's set in 2004, or if it took her a few years to write around around. The okay, time, yeah. Then. So it's, um, it's uh, and we've, we've no, established that pre pre smartphones. Yes, pre iPhone. <laughs> and 2000, I don't I don't know. If, they never really talk about the internet, whether it exists. I, I guess so, because mm -hmm. the, the aunt is always online, but that none of the kids are addicted to that, I would say. Right, really, okay, I so it has, yeah. No, okay, that makes a bit more sense now. Right, I'm mm. well placed. So the outside world just slowly starts interfering, like a sort of army major comes by to do a census, 
and they get the sense that they're not happy that these kids are alone, but mm. they actually are self-sufficient and they are doing a good job and they don't really want to deal with them. Who's going to want to take in these kids? So for the longest time, they are they are left in this idyllic state. They sort of move from the house to like a barn that's that's further out and a bit hidden because they're just not sure. Like suddenly there's small incidences happening. It's just creeping closer. Yeah, seeping into their world. Mm. And when you say they, do you mean all the kids? Or yes. just the two? Right, okay. No, all of them. So the backdrop, it's it's the Daisy and Edmund. Every time they try to sneak off to find time together, like the little sister will just sort of come and go, oh, can I sleep with you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's strange as hell how it's like, man, these two are cousins. And are they keeping it secret? Yes, they are. They, kn- they know they it's They know wrong. it's taboo as hell. She knows. Right, okay. Because there's this whole point where she realises she's falling and she's having feelings she shouldn't he's quite an enigma as far as kids mm-hmm. go i mean he's this smoking 15 year old who drives a jeep yeah it's dark type kind of half too cool for school kind of half yeah heathcliff moody farmer guy in muddy boots yeah um, so she know and she knows the taboo of the cousins you know they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're far old enough and sort of he makes the first move when she wasn't she's questioning what he would feel and he's the one who makes the first move right okay Kind of eventually, a, a doctor, emergency guy, is like, you know, we need to move into this farm for like basic operations. Like you've got the space. They kind of get on with that, but eventually they just have to like, okay, you two are going to go. Like the two girls, the nine-year-old and Daisy. That sort of you're going to go separate. We we just can't have you kids running wow. around. And so they're sort of split up, and it's quite quick. They never really know what happens to the others. Right, like the okay. elder brother is actually quite gung-ho. He sort of wants to join in the fighting. Yeah. He's sort of the most buying into, I suppose, the not conspiracy theories, but all the sort of talk in town. Who is the enemy? He's, he's the most paying attention. Right, okay, yeah. His vested interest. So the two girls sort of go, basically, I guess, to just do another town, and they, they live with this woman, and they sort of help him with the food rationing. And it gets not necessarily obscure, but I do get lost. But I guess just <laughs> to say that the war is getting close to them and they're, they're getting involved in the violence or they're, they're starting to witness things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on their doorstep. Mm. The girls sort of have to leave the house and just like, let's let's go back to the barn. Let's get back to the house. So they basically pack some food and they just try and cut through Devon, Cornwall. I don't really know. It's, I don't think it's ever stated. Just on foot, sort of ducking down, surviving rationing, eating wild foods, potentially poisoning themselves, wow. uh, and make their way back. It kind of peters out before the end. It doesn't have the greatest climax, but then it didn't have the greatest start. I mean, it kind of continues as it starts. Right, okay. But I will say I kind of like that. I, I think I've said before, I kind of like when the world kind of becomes an empty playground. So I, I don't know what to make of the, the cousins thing. No. <laughs> I don't know if that was just uh, like something she had in her life, like a crush on her cousin and just wanted to mm-hmm. like not kill the taboo, but just say, hey, you know what? You, you can't stop kids doing what kids do or feeling what mm-hmm. they feel. When, mm-hmm. it, when they're that young, it's flipping intense. Yeah. And under the right circumstances, such as this, it's going to go to us, let's say, a little too far. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, but to them... It's a kind of Romeo and Juliet-ish. Yeah, natural um, processes. Yeah. I tried to read a book recently called 
the bear. And it was POV of, I think, a six-year-old girl. Hmm. It's like she's she's camping with her three-year-old brother, and a bear attacks, and her parents are sort of killed. And there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It was, it was kind of cool how the little girl didn't understand what was going on. She was six. She was like, oh, I think mum yeah. and dad are angry. Why can't we eat? Why won't they get up and play? But it was flipping infuriating because it was POV of a six-year-old, and it was just so childishly written. Right. It got on my goddamn nerves. No, <laughs> did you like, finish I, it? I, it, it? No, I, I just... I just <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It was just... I don't know. So, so this felt like it was going to be similar. This is also POV. And when she mm. starts off, like she, she's that kind of eye-rolling, eye-rolling, arm-crossing teen. And yeah. it was just, just the right side of, thank God she's not a little bit more irritating. Okay. I thought this was either written by an American or mm-hmm. a Brit because, because of it, it was it was a fish out of water, an American coming to England and experiencing not just you know England, but some mm. sort of country Bristol Devon style, you know, yeah. drinking nettle tea stuff. But reading the, the author was an American who moved to London and did experience that. But I did okay. there just were words that peaked out that were just so British. Right. I couldn't help but go, yeah, I don't think an American 15-year-old would use, I can't think, I didn't circle off any examples. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. Just the odd word or two that, for me, was like... Indiscrepancies. Ah, like, there's, I guess she doesn't sound like a New Yorker, mm-hmm. is, is one of the things that sticks out. She sort of just, I don't know, when you see an English actor playing an American, but they're hitting that neutral accent. Yes. Just, just neutral American. Um, and although she occasionally does refer to like never happened in New York, you still get never get the sense she's like a like a tough New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they're going for like she she thinks she's tough, but but we don't. But right, nonetheless, okay, like yeah. none of that none of the feel of where she spent fifteen years in a very unique bustling city crosses particularly over. Mm-hmm. So overall, yeah, I I gotta say I did enjoy it, though it wasn't the the biggest sort of page turner or exciting thing. I don't think she was going yeah. for that. I guess it was some kind of update on the railway children. Yeah, okay. Some kind yeah. of what would happen to the kids if there was a war now. Okay. But like we've said, because of the way they talk about kind of the guns and the technology, it doesn't feel now. Yeah. Well, this is it. When you were telling me, I was like, it, it, it jarred very heavily when you suddenly, you know, Really mm. revealed it wasn't set in World War One or two. <laughs> right, was. right, right. I, I mean, it might have been a, an attempt to sort of try and make it timeless. Yeah. So yeah. you could read this. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I literally saw this in like a secondhand news store for like two bucks. And I'm like, I think I've seen the film for that. And I mean, had, like you, Billy, had you had you seen the film? Yes, but like so long ago and late at night. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I kind of feel about the film exactly the same as this book. That's nice. I'm glad it exists. It, I guess it doesn't quite go there. It, it right. Like, I guess there's this sort of line at the end where she's, I don't know what the word is, certainly not cured, but she's basically eating. Mm-hmm. And I guess she's sort of coming, she's got to been through some experiences and, and seen. Like, it, it does get pretty dark. How, do, how does, that, how does that um, anore- anorexia, why do you feel that's there? Did they shove it in to give her teen issues? Because mm. it doesn't particularly play throughout. It's not like there's there's moments where she needs the energy and she's super weak and we're like, oh damn. There's, 
I, I guess there's sort of moments where there's they're rationing and she talks about like what's rationing when you, do, you don't eat anyway but she kind of comes through at the end and jokes like there's a silver lining like it all seems silly now to, to not mm. eat and I guess you you there's this half a page two paragraphs where I guess you get the sense she was doing it she she was going through a lot with her family at at home in New York and it was just a coping mechanism for that and I, kind of the way they talk it makes it sound like she kind of did it for attention not knowingly yeah. but that's how she's come through mm -hmm. um, rationalizing it but it, it doesn't yeah. have a huge part to play in it it's not in every page right okay it's just in the backdrop and mm -hmm. I don't know it it doesn't stick out like crazy good or bad but like was this inserted to give her more depth mm. after a large chunk of it had been written? Yeah, um, okay. Because she's a teen and we're never getting anyone else's input on it. It's not really condemning it. It's just, she just kind of has to process it on her own and she does. And I guess that's kind of cool. Mm. There's no kind of grown up giving us for the reader. Uh, and this is why, you know, and it comes down to yeah. this and... and it's just, it's, yeah, it's just like a, almost a natural part of mm. uh, 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 yeah. Coping like it, it does have a strange dragging ending. Mm. Like it hits, sort of hits a point, and then it does the sort of two years later. Here's everything that happened. Right. Okay. Years. And I can kind of see why because it was just almost the afterwards, but it sort of takes you right out of it to kind mm. of slowly bring you back into it again. Okay. Would you recommend it? I don't know who to, if I'm honest. My my friends who love sort of this type of apocalypse book mm -hmm. would, would find it like this is this is a kids book. It's it's one young right young adult literature award and stuff. So okay. I have no idea who I recommend it to. But yeah. I I sort of enjoyed it enough okay. to, to give it a thumbs up. Yeah. I, I guess it's that awkward thing of so I'd say give it a read, but don't expect too much. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, say, if you, if you stumble across you it, this to read. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's like I said, it's like if you're going on a long flight, you could probably cane it. Um, yeah. Yep. How I Live Now by Meg Rossoff. Nice. Mildly enjoyed. <laughs> hey, we'll wrap it up around there. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Join us again next time, and until then, support your local bookstores and have a great day.